Welcome to the show. I am so excited to be here. Today's topic is product-led growth and ancient Greece. So wherever we go on today's journey, we are going to tackle both of those. So are you ready? I'm ready. This started because you took a family trip to Greece. I had this amazing experience. I had such a good time on my family trip to Greece. It was, I was traveling with my two kids, 10, my daughter's 10, my son's 12, my wife. The first half of the trip, it was the four of us. The second half of the trip, we were with another family. Um, So like, you know, we had friends, they had friends, the kids were all similar age. But, you know, I traveled all over. I was up up north in, in a place called Meteora, where all of these like very interesting monasteries think like, you know, uh, mystics and, and, and monks started to occupy these monasteries in like 500 BC and then onward. And then I went to Corfu and then after Corfu, I went to Delphi and then I arrived in Athens before going on to the islands. But there was this amazing day, Ari, in Athens that I just have to tell you about. Tell me, that okay. was amazing. So um, I had the opportunity one morning to go with uh, Professor Stas, who is a philosophy professor, and tour um, Plato's Academy and Aristotle's Lyceum and like learn all about Socrates and like picture ancient Greece when you picture ancient Greece, 500 BC, um, Socrates asking questions like, how should one live? And, you know, this idea that the unexamined life is is, is not worth living. Um, and really the first democracy. And I mean, it was a very evolved time in the world. And what's so interesting to me, of course, is that, you know, you had so much learning and so much advancement. And then we like almost like lose all of that knowledge when, you know, history happens and we move into the dark ages and it doesn't cover until the Renaissance. But staying with ancient Greece, there is some amazing stuff to learn if you are in marketing, product, B2B, and I had no idea. It took a family vacation to Greece to finally unlock after however many decades you've been doing this. I was not with your family on this particular vacation. I've taken trips like that before, and I've always been struck, whether it was Greece or for me, it was even more Rome, like the Colosseum. You walk into what's now a ruin, but was a sports stadium. And the feeling of the audience entering that stadium, my sense is, is exactly the feeling of someone this weekend walking into a college football game. Right. The rooting for your team and the excitement and the crowd energy. And and so, yeah, going back to Aristotle and sitting in on one of his classes. So much of it would, I imagine, be familiar and relevant in that you're dealing with human behavior and you're dealing with the same kinds of issues, whether you're twenty five hundred years ago or today. Right. I, I think that's right. Like, you know. If we Aristotle and I didn't know this, and in fact, it was you who like kind of directed me to figure it out was you sent me that text saying, hey, I had no idea how much was happening. 
and I can't remember, it was about pathos and ethos, right? It was about this idea of like right. emotional marketing, logical marketing, authenticity in marketing. Yeah, you had inspired me. So it goes round and round. <laughs> and reading then back about Aristotle, and of course, there was a lot of work on rhetoric. They weren't thinking about it as B2B marketing, but let's just say it's rhetoric. It's how do you convince people? And this framework of ethos, pathos, and logos. And logos is about the logical argument. Here are the facts. And ethos is about the credibility or the trustworthiness of the speaker. And pathos is about the emotion. And that took me from ancient Greece to a conversation I had with Google not that long ago, where they said, you know, B2B marketing doesn't have enough emotion. They had quantified it, by the way. Doesn't have enough pathos. <laughs> so if Aristotle had been in this meeting, he would have said, yeah, of course, I said that. I told you that 2,000 plus years ago, logos, ethos, pathos have to be balanced. You've looked at B2B from the agency side as well as being on the inside. I don't see a lot of balance between those three. I don't think Aristotle would give us great marks. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I think that one of the parts for me, and I'm just trying to apply it back to this idea of like product-led growth. So I, 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 I'm going to answer your question by not answering your question. And, and, and like, if we think about, you know, we, we had another conversation about what is product-led growth. And so just to kind of define it here in this moment, I'm thinking about product-led growth as this idea of the product or the experience being at the center of a, a customer's journey with a brand. Um, so we're, we're, you know, it's it's broader than it's broader than customer experience. It's broader than even software, especially in a complex B two B environment where you know there's a physical and digital component to engaging with products. But it's this idea that the product experience itself can be. Uh, a catalyst, an engine to drive awareness, acquisition, customer engagement, and loyalty. Any bills on that before I go on? That makes sense to me. I'm thinking about then the application of product-led growth. Is there an element, do you think, where it kind of cuts through the Aristotle framework and that yes. you don't need a speaker? You don't need to have trust that these are good qualities, especially when news is spreading. But to start with, you can experience yourself. Yeah, I think that that's that's exactly right, Ari. And like it cuts through what Aristotle is doing in it. And just to put some context in it, you know, the 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 Aristotle's teacher was Plato and Socrates and Plato's teacher was Socrates. So if we take it all the way back to Socrates here as the person who started that first domino falling, it's this idea that product-led growth and any framework we use begins with this idea of asking ourselves some Socratic questions. Yeah. Um, or, or said another way, you know, Socrates is so famous for saying the unexamined life isn't worth living. Or said another way, the examined life is the only one worth living. In order to get to product-led growth, we really have to like question rigorously 
even our own definition of product-led growth. Because I bet if we were to Google product-led growth, it would say something like, the software itself sits at the center and it all must result in improved buying journey. But it's but here we are and we're questioning ourselves and we're asking, is that right? Is it just the software itself? But wait, what happens if it's a more complex environment? What yeah. happens if it's digital and physical in nature? So I think like at the very at the very top is this idea of even starting with what is product-led growth? How come we define it that way? What are the components of it? Why are those the components of it? If you were to generalize it product-led growth, which on some level, I think we'd agree the product is at the center. Is there something you could call experience-led growth, which is a slightly more generalized version? And it kind of gets to the core of this framework. Someone years ago, when I was first joining marketing, said to me something that stuck with me all these years later. And I apply in this context because he, he said to me, in a digital world, your brand is your experience and your experience is your brand. In other words, you could put all the television commercials on there you want. You can have all the banner ads you want. You can have all the search you want. In a modern world, people's experience of your product or your service trumps everything else you say about it. It trumps your logos, your ethos, your pathos, right? Yep. And so experience-based becomes a foundation of which product-based experiences are one flavor of that. But it's interesting that you could apply more generally. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, I love this question. So uh, so this is the idea, like, if you're Nike, what's the product? Is the product the shoe or is the product the experience? Like right. the actual run, the shopping in the store, right? I, when I say the word product, I mean experience. When I say experience, I mean product. But here's the flip. The experience is also your brand. The brand is your experience. The experience is the brand. Like, they're all interchangeable words. When we say product, we mean experience. When we say brand, we mean experience. When we say experience, we mean the brand. Like, it's, it's all connected. That's my opinion on it today. Um, and if you look at the Ogilvy perspective for a long time, we've been saying, you know, the brand is everything, right? Uh, and, and I think if you come from the technology world of Google, where you're like, well, the product is everything, but really it's saying the same thing, right? The experience is everything. And, and, and that is your brand and that is your product as well. That's, that's a chief product officer's point of view. I like it, but it's actually really fundamentally challenging to what we do in B2B because partly Google was meeting with me to show me data that they had. It was mostly from YouTube about the percentage of video content, B2B video content. And they put it on a scale Aristotle would recognize from logical to emotional. Yeah. They didn't have the ethos concept in there. We could add a third dimension. And something, I don't want to put numbers in their words, uh, but 90 something percent skewed logical. So B2B marketers, we, I can be one of these, are starting in an Aristotle framework on that logo side. We're leaning too heavy into one dimension of the triangle. But then your definition adds something else to it, which is we're just not starting even more fundamentally with the experience. We're describing things about the experience you might have. You could go to Greece. If you went to Greece, you'd have amazing food and amazing sights and the wine's fantastic. 
but we're not starting with let's give you the experience. And that choice, because I think in B2B, we have experiences. The experience could be the event. It could be meeting the salesperson. It could be a product experience. What would it look like if we anchored off the experience and then surrounded it with the rest of this framework? Yeah, I, I think that that's a really interesting way in. And, you know, I'm reminded of uh, a quote by our pal, Rory Sutherland, who, who heads our behavioral science team here at Ogilvy. And he says, um, just because I put a suit on doesn't make me rational. And that, that idea that like we often think that B2B buyer is going to behave in a more rational way uh, to, to a B2C buyer. Yeah. But just because I put a suit on doesn't make me right. right? We still have, um, you know, a promotion mindset, a prevention mindset. We still have human characteristics and human instincts that, you know, cause us to think and react in a way that's not rational. I have come to go one further than that, even that at first I was surprised and I was challenged by these kind of results. I'm more emotional. That's, that's strange for me to be to be. It's, I buy a lot of B2B things feels fairly logical. And then I start to think, even compared to a B2C purchase, like if I get my shoe wrong, I get my toothpaste wrong, okay. If I, in my job, make a bad decision with $5 million, my children may not go to college of their choice. <laughs> uh, my mortgage may not get paid. So there is an enormous weight on these decisions that I just hadn't realize until I step back. Now, once you realize that there are real consequences to these decisions, of course, they're emotional. They're different kinds of emotions. But yeah. the idea of trust and credibility, and in some cases, avoiding risk or seizing the opportunity, these are deeply emotional choices. Your, your life, the way you see yourself and value yourself, which especially in Western world, it comes through a lot through your job. Yeah, it opened up my eyes to how important and how emotional these decisions are, which then ties me back to this framework that you're introducing, which is what's the best way of connecting with that emotion? It, it does feel like even for B2B, not even, maybe pro especially for B2B, it's experience first, experience led. I think the experience led way in is a good one. I think that the idea of redefining the product as not just a piece of software or a running shoe, but really thinking about the product as the experience. And I think the brand, of course, is another way of describing it. I think that's a shift that some of the tech first companies are just surprised that everyone else hasn't yet made. I do think, though, it's essential to what we need to do in order to create an experience that's compelling, that's delightful, that that works for a business to grow. And then if you put that in the context, I'm bringing Aristotle back. If that has this balance between the facts and the community of trust and the emotional connection, that is not a bad formula. Not a bad formula. Not for 15 minutes coming back from Greece. We, 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 we connected product-led growth and ancient Greece. 
It, it'll Ooh. be what two cards we pull next week, uh, Ari. But uh, well done. This has been awesome. So fun, my friend. Hang out again soon. Take care. See you next time.